to the Stay at Home Mom Yarai podcast. You are about to listen to my mom. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like it, please give it five stars. Thank you. and welcome to the Stay-at-Home Mom Yeah Right podcast. I'm Sarah Smith, your host, and I'm so excited to be joined by Amanda Flood. She is a wife, mom of two, a psychotherapist, and a mindset coach. Welcome to my podcast, Amanda. How are you today? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking your time out today. I appreciate it. What has this past year been like for you and your family during the pandemic? Um, wow, what a what a question, right? And I think it hits differently yeah. for everybody. I think for us, it's weird. It's kind of just been like business as usual, but of course, just kind of adapting. I think, you know, in general, we're like a family that kind of rolls with the punches. So for me, like work didn't stop. So I didn't get to like stay home like some full, but at the same time, my kids were home for a part of that. So we had to adjust to like, make sure they were okay. And like real talk, I was probably horrible at that. I I don't think I was (laughs) mom of the year for that pandemic. They were really figuring it out. Um, So I guess it's been a year of transitions and figuring it out, but at the same time, like life sort of still kept going. So it was this, this funky balance of keeping it moving, adjusting, keeping it moving, keeping it moving, adjusting. So it's been something, but we're doing okay. Good. How old are your kids? Uh, my son is 11 now and my daughter is nine. Okay. I have a nine-year-old daughter as well. So she was in like second grade when it all started, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. With her fierce and fabulous attitude. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So we, our daughters are similar then. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Prior to this interview, you told me that you had to let go of mom guilt in order to step out into the workplace. Can you talk about this? And what did the mom guilt look like for you? Yeah, I think a lot of it was, you know, how do I, and I think even the pandemic sort of brought this up too, right? Like, how do I chase what I want to do, like my dreams and things like that, and um, wanted to have a career and wanted to have my own business and things like that, but then like still be a mom, right? And I think it was more about the expectations of like what mom looks like. And like, I tend to describe it as like Martha Stewart, like that perfect image of like, you got to be able to cook, clean, put them to bed, read a story, do the laundry, go talk to your husband, all of that stuff, right? <laughs> and like all of that, all of a sudden comes first. And the reason like who we are takes a back seat. So then in that sense, then it felt wrong. And I think that's where the guilt came in to want to do more of what I wanted to do, because that would mean some of those things would have to, to come second. Um, so I think that was that that was hard. Right. Um, and I think that's what kind of trips up a lot of people is that we feel that we're doing something wrong or that we're going to like let people down or disappoint them. Um, and that kind of keeps us back from doing all the things that are important to us. Like family is important to us, but so is like who we are and the things that we want to do as as like women. I feel like that's important too. I feel like I have mom guilt for so many things. How can Mm -hmm. mom, how can moms learn to let go of that guilt? Mm -hmm. I think dial it back, honey. Right? I think you have to take a few steps back about, okay, like what's happening here? What am I really feeling bad about? And is it something wrong? 
right? Like, did I do something wrong? Like, did I do something wrong to have a dream? No. Did I do something wrong to want to live a life that's probably going to be better for me and my family? No, right? So, okay, then I, then I, I can't feel bad about that, right? And where's that guilt really coming from? I think really examining those things. Is it, you know, expectations of like the type of mom you should be? And where's that coming from? Is it family related, stuff like that, right? Um, and then deciding like how true are those stories? A lot of times we're living up to these things that people have told us that, you know, just really isn't true. And then I think once you get to that point, deciding what you want and maybe even involving the family with that conversation once you have it, so we're all kind of on board with what's happening and nobody feels bad then, right? Then I can't feel bad that I need to work a little later because you guys get it. Oh yeah, mom's trying to do her thing. She's a boss too, right? Okay. Or all right, cool. Daddy's making dinner today, no problem. And I think what you find once you are open about what you want and you start to have conversations with your family or just with whoever your support system is, you realize that they're really going to be okay. And it's not as bad as you think it'll be right. Like I tell my husband, like if they miss a meal, they're going to survive, honey. Like that. Right. It's usually not as bad as we make it up to be in our head. Is that what you did? You were able to sit down and have the conversations with your family when you decided to step into the workplace? Yeah, I think not at first. I think I reached a point where it was like, okay, this is going to be really demanding. um, And it's going to mean like later hours and things like that. So in like little ways it happens, right? So like driving them to school, like I talk about what I was doing, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. mommy's trying to build a business too. I'm going to be your boss. And, and, And I did that intentionally because I also want them to know that they can do that too, right? Especially as black and brown folks, like we don't always have conversation about like owning things and becoming things. So um, I would talk about that on the car ride to school and, but also that that meant like sacrifice and giving up things. And I would talk about that too, in terms of their life and how, if you want something, you've got to put in the time to it. But what that would mean, that it means I may not be here certain days and things like that. And what I found with my kids was once they knew when I would be there and when I wouldn't be there, mm-hmm. that kind of worked for them. Um, I would notice my son in particular would be like, oh, today's your late day, right? I was like, oh, you know, my schedule better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So I think that helped them. Um, and then along the way, like the couch conversations, like with my husband and stuff, like what I was doing and what I wanted to do and talking that out, I think that was helpful. And knowing that he was supportive of that was helpful. Um, also, so it can be this formal conversation or it could be naturally in the thing that you would do that you're intentional about talking about what you want to do, how it's going to impact the family and those changes and stuff and being consistent, right? Consistency, right, like right. we all need consistency. So whatever Absolutely. your schedule is, just be consistent, I think, and everybody could thrive in that. Now you're a psychotherapist and a mindset coach. Um, uh, why is it <laughs> Why is it so important for people to take care of their mental health, especially us moms. Oh, your mental health is your wealth, honey, right? Like we can't build without taking care of ourselves emotionally, you know? So it's like, how do I handle the stress of managing my household and my family if I am struggling myself, you know? So eventually you'll start to crack, right? So whether that is, you know, over worrying or not sleeping well, 
that sipping on that tea turned into sipping on something else, honey. (laughs) 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 So, you know, it's something that's important to everybody. My part of everything is oceans. So I think it's super important. And and it, it just starts with little, little actions, you know, just like you would take care of your body in any little way, eating healthy, going for a walk, all of those things help your mind as well as, you know, resting sometimes, um, doing some meditation and some mindfulness and just taking it easy to take the pressure off of yourself. It, it, it just connects to everything in life. So you've got to take care of yourself emotionally, especially as moms. Like we carry not just ourselves, but our little humans and their lives yeah. and their worries and our partners. And, you know, so it, it's, it's a lot on us. And sometimes we take it on in, in heavy ways. So we've got to know how to carry that burden well. In the Black community, therapy has traditionally been somewhat of a bad word. Bad word. We're a mute point. What would you say to someone in the Black community who needs therapy but is afraid because of the stigma that has been taught to us for so long? Um, I would say that, listen, like you're missing out because we're holding ourselves back when other communities are like on it. Right. And they're making sure they go get their help and they go get what they need and they go find it, pay for it, all of that stuff. And that's partly why in some avenues and in some ways, I'll venture to say that they're ahead of us. Right. So we keep holding our struggles and keeping it within our families and not getting anywhere because no one has the skills, tools, or abilities within our network sometimes to help us out, right? I think culturally, we've had to rely on each other, uh, which is super important and great, but we also have to know when we just don't have it within our systems, right? Our families, our networks to be able to do something, right? Like if our if we had a hole in a roof, right? And no one in the family is a roofer. What are you going to do? Just sit there, mm. let the water fall in your house? Like, okay, I guess we just going to be wet today. No, like, <laughs> you got to go find a roofer. That's right. their skill. That's their ability so they can fix your house. So you could carry on living. It's the same thing. Like we see our aunties and uncles sitting on the couch every day, not moving, drinking. We know the people that's like, oh, something wrong with her, honey. Right. Um, or somebody who's, a, you know, they're more to themselves, whatever. And we're, we're like, OK, we're going to pray about it. Let's take this one to Jesus, which is great. <laughs> but at some point, you've got to call in someone else who knows that can help you through it. And that's OK, too. Um, listen, like just this morning, I think it was I read on Facebook, like a pastor in like Texas or something like that, a black man who committed suicide. Right. Wow. So like this is how real it is in our community. Right. Mm. And was out there doing some great things. But if you could be doing fabulous on the outside. Right. And making it look good, which is what we do as families. Right. Because we don't want everybody to know our business. honey. Right. We make it look really good. But if you're not taking care of what happens when you come home and how you really feel and what's hard and what's challenging, it'll eat you up. And that's Mm. why emotional health is so, so important because it'll get you to the point that you feel that there's no other avenue but for me to take my life. And that's a very serious thing. And no one should ever have to get to that point. Right. If you just talk about it, you go the right person and talk about it. Right. Therapy is it's a confidential space. Right. It's a judgment free space. You can do that with someone that looks like you. You can do that with a man. You can do that with a woman. You can do that with a black person, Puerto Rican, like whatever you need to feel comfortable. That's fine. And it's better to put it there than to carry it to the point that everything falls apart. Right.
in an Instagram post, you wrote, we can't address our mental health without also addressing our black and brown bodies. What did you mean by this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we carry so much in our bodies, right? Yeah. And if we think about um, uh, black, black folk, brown folk, right? Our, our bodies, our physical cells is really plagued with things like high blood pressure, um, every kind of disease lives in our body, right? We're often overweight. Right. And all of that is connected to your emotional health because we keep so much within us. Our stress levels are constantly high. Cortisol is constantly high. So we're more susceptible to those things. Right. And even things like trauma and fear, it lives in our bodies. So mm. if we aren't taking care of ourselves physically, we're not eating well, we're not sleeping well, we're not moving our bodies our bodies will shut down, right? And this is a, a, a very visible sign of us shutting down is what's happening in our bodies as well. It's all connected. We can't get away one from the other. What can our society do to make mental health a priority? What should we do? That one went in and out for me. What can our society do to maintain? To make mental health a priority. To make mental health a priority. Keep talking about it like you're doing. Like, so I'm grateful for you, Sarah, and the platform that you have, right? Because the more we talk about it, the more we realize, like, okay, I might not be the only one because you're not, right? And I'll tell you, like, there's a wait list for my practice, right? Which says to wow. me that more and more people are recognizing that there's a need to come and talk about it, right? There's still a lot of shame and stigma, right? But but they're coming, right? Our pastors are coming, right? Um, we have children of, of um, immigrants that are coming and even like the family themselves may be like, I don't know about this therapy thing, but they'll allow their children to go. And like, to me, like that's progress in itself, right? We have moms in their eighties that are like, okay, fine, let me go talk to somebody. So for sure, it's that, you know, it, it's a common everyday thing and it's okay. Uh, so mm -hmm. keep talking about it. Sometimes it's also helpful to look at it outside of the emotional lens and look at it like if you had asthma and you couldn't breathe, I wouldn't tell you just to sit there, right? I wouldn't tell you just to pray about it. I wouldn't tell you it's going to be okay. I would make sure you got to a doctor and got help. I would make sure I would give you your asthma pump because that's going to help you to breathe. It's going to open up your lungs so you can breathe. Therapy gives you the tools and the avenues to open up your life and new perspective so you can live, right? And it's the same difference. But sometimes we have to look at it even physically to say like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Let me go take care of my mind. I was going up. So, yeah. How does one go about finding a therapist that is right for you, right for them? I I would say it's like trial and error, honey. Like you go shopping for shoes. Call <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody. Um, but also be patient, especially if you're looking for um, a minority-based therapist. There really isn't a lot of them. Uh, it's something like 4% of the population of, the, of those that are therapists are actually minorities. So uh, we're, wow. we're very small in few numbers. Um, so don't get discouraged if you call one place and they don't call you back. Like really keep calling. So do your research in general. There's some great sites out there like psychologytoday.com, um, Therapy for Black Girls, Therapy for Black Men. Um, and you can search, you can look at their profile, see their pictures, what resonates with you, um, and just kind of get a list and just just call everybody on the list, right? Because it, it is that hard to find an opening. Um, you can also call your insurance provider, have them look for you. Their customer support people will look and, and make calls for you too. 
So there's lots of options. If you don't have insurance, I think their highest price may be like $60 a session, and I think as low as like $25. So there's so many options. Um, Taraji P. Henson had that huge push uh, with her foundation, and I think they may still offer some free, if not sliding scale, support for therapy as well. So if you want it, you'll go get it. Right. Mm-hmm. And just like everything else that you want in life, you figure out how to save for it. You figure out how to do it. We going on vacation, honey. I'm going to get there. <laughs> okay, we do a little all the time. Um, but but go. And when you get there, just ask them, like, you know, are you used to working with blank? Right. People with anxiety or people with a lot of stress or people with um, like immigrant families that don't care about for therapy. Right. Like just tell them, ask them. I always say give it a try for like a month or so to see how it feels for you. If there's a connection, if they're really not just listening. What are the biggest issues today that people, especially moms, are facing over a year into the pandemic? I would still say some of that guilt, honey, like making sure our kids are okay, Uh right? Wondering if we've done a good job in that past year. Um, And I think also wondering about themselves because I think it's been a challenge to be home and have everybody home at the same time and not have a break in that sense. Um, And I think folks are more attuned to how like anxious they may be themselves. Um, There's a little bit more of that happening. So I think wherever you find yourself, I want to say it's okay. Just have a little bit of like compassion for ourselves. We could be so hard on ourselves, especially as mom, right? Going back to that guilt of like, you know, we're not doing enough. We're not doing it right. Why do I feel this way? So, you know, starting there, like, just like, it's okay, girl. Like, give yourself a pep talk in the mirror. Like, it's okay, girl. You're doing a good (laughs) job. Like, all right. Like, what do you need to be okay? Because I think if mom is okay, everybody else is going to be okay too, right? Because they're going to look and see that you're okay. And those things will start to fall in line. Um, So I think just starting with yourself and starting with a little bit of kindness for yourself. Absolutely. I saw on your Instagram where you state gratitude is powerful because it brings you back to the present moment. What are your three ways to anchor now and improve one's mental health? Yeah. So gratitude is a big one. And I think just like you give yourself that pep talk, start with what you're grateful for. Because sometimes we're so worried, right, about all that's going to come or happen. And that's where anxiety kind of comes in or all the things I didn't do so well. And that's where like the depression comes in. Um, But what about right now? What about this moment right now? So think about what am I grateful for right now? It's been a tough year, but I'm grateful that we got through it, right? It's been a tough year, but I'm grateful that my kids, you know, they did enough work. They passed the school year. You know, I'm grateful that I just have myself right now. I'm grateful that I have my dreams right now. Um, So that brings you back to what's happening right now. And sometimes we need to wake up to how much great and good is going on in our life right now so that we're not as worried and not as stressed out. So I think gratitude is really good for anchoring yourself. I think being intentional, again, with things like mindfulness practices, which is just slowing down and paying attention, like like a quick, okay, what's five red things I see in the room? Because it brings me back to right now, right? What's mm. five things I hear brings me back to right now, right? What's five things um, I'm feeling, right? Brings me back to right now. So those things keep you in the moment. The more you practice it, the, the easier it gets to do. But you, you got to stop and pause. That, that's the biggest right. thing. Give yourself that time. 
And that's always so hard for us as moms to just stop Isn't and give it? ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm telling you, we can do it. We can do it. Yes. Like I'll do it like before I get in the house, before I leave my car. I remember my mom used to do this too. She'd come home from work and she'd sit in the car for a while. And I'd be sitting there like, will she hurry up? Like, I just want my money so I could go to school. Like, what is she doing? <laughs> but I get it now as a grown up with kids and a family. It's like, you need that moment, right? To transition from that one thing you were doing to being prepared to be this present person, this present mom, right? So that was her moment to decompress. And I do it too, before I come into the house, sometimes if it's been a long day, I'll take a few moments, listen to some music, like turn it up really loud, turn on my favorite songs and jam out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or I'll do a, a couple quick breaths and then I'll go in because now I'm ready for them, right? Or before they wake up, I love the morning because it's quiet, where everybody's like, mommy, mommy, mommy. Right? So before that, um, mornings are a good time. I'll journal, right? I'll, I'll just, just listen to the quiet. Like, I just love that. I love waking up, seeing the quiet and the light. And, and it's a thing for me. So those little moments. So we have them. It's just to recognize that we have it and really use it. You are a mindset coach. What is the process to shift one's mindset, especially as adults? We're so ingrained in our everyday and our thinking. Like how do you work to change one's mindset? I would say challenging your mindset. And you're right. It's so automatic. We don't even always realize that what we're responding to. You know what I mean? Like right back to Martha Stewart. Like where, where is that coming from? You know, like, was that how your mom operated? And and maybe she said to you or auntie said to you, that's what you're supposed to be. Or a good mother keeps her house clean. Right. Like, you know, like really, you know, so at far slowing down, noticing what you're thinking about, noticing when you feel upset and things like that, because more than likely there's something you're thinking about that's not helpful. So slowing down, thinking about what you're thinking about, And then challenging it, like, how real is this? How true is this? Is this helpful for me, right? Maybe that belief, that story was helpful for a different part of life or for a different person in life, but it's not for me. And what do I want it to be in changing that story for yourself? You are never too old to change your story and create your own happy ending, okay? It's your life. (laughs) How do you help your clients reach the results they're looking for? Um, I would actually say they reach the results that they're looking for because what you put in on is what you get out, right? So I just bring the skills to the table. You know, I bring the tools and strategies and things that we may not get to have in day-to-day life, but it's up to you to take it. It's up to you to practice it. It's up to you to really um, implement it. You know, definitely hold you accountable. But I think the folks who do the best are folks that know they need more. They just may not know how to do it, right? Um, and they're just really ready to do the work. It's like trying to lose weight. We're always trying to lose weight and we want mm-hmm. the quickest way to do it, but that's not always it, you know, right? It's like you've got, there's no way around the work and you've got to hold yourself accountable to that part. But like your, your trainer, whoever will make sure that you get there, give you direction. It's the same way I work as a therapist and as a mindset coach. I'm going to give you that direction, but the work is on you to get you there. I know you said there's a waiting list for your practice, but where can people find you? Yeah. So um, in terms of therapy, and I will say I I see therapy and and mindset coaching kind of like on a spectrum. And I think 
therapies on the side of if you are super anxious, super depressed, it's hard for you to get out of bed every day. It's hard for you to do the things in life that you need to do, right? It's hard for you to like respond to your kids or support your kids. You feel really disconnected. You may need more of the therapy side, which is just a little bit more intensive and kind of focused on what's happening there. Um, I think mindset coaching is maybe a little bit more down the spectrum where it's, where what's happening, you can still be anxious and worried and things like that, but it's not so much getting in the way of your day-to-day task, right? But you do see where it's holding you back in life, right? So like, I want to, let's say, start a business, but there's a lot of fears there, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where mindset coaching would come in to help. Well, let's navigate those fears to get you there, right? Um, but either way, I think a conversation could help us figure out the direction that you have to go. And I think that's what's great about the work I do. I can figure out both. I'm a therapist and a coach, right? So I can tell you where you fall. You don't even really have to know. But to find me, you can go to my website for sure, um, amandaflood.com, F-L-U-D-D. And there you'll see both options for therapy and coaching. um, Or you can follow us on Instagram. Um, We're all like tech savvy these days. So yeah, (laughs) therapy is dope, is the therapy-based site, which is really, we try to keep it informative as well. So people can understand that mental health is an everyday part of things, right? It isn't this it shouldn't be this taboo thing. So that's great just for information too. Um, and then on the coaching side, Amanda.flood as well on, on Instagram. So lots of ways to connect. Yeah. Uh, and even though there's a wait list, like, you know, we could figure it out. We could figure out directing you. If you're just not sure where to go and what you need, just reach out. And since you are in the mental health field, what do you do to take care of yourself? for self-care dude um, I run I run slash walk because the pandemic kind of threw that off for me so I try to be active because again your body is so connected to your mind like um and it's been a long year the pandemic pounds hit me too so (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to shake it off so um so like running walking I love that I do a lot of like uh, mindfulness meditation stuff because it just settles your whole mind body um, so that's really how I take care of myself. And I love like a good cup of tea. So I'll make that at different times in the day. It's just little, little soothing things for me, right? Like I said, turn up the music, like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> little things for me. So, um, that's how I take care of myself. How about you? Yes. What do you do to take care of yourself? I do my Peloton every day and I'm obsessed Ooh, with it. I love every it. Every day. I'm impressed because I have that thing too, but ooh, my booty should be hurting sitting on that, on that, on that thing, man. <laughs> That's what my husband said. He's like, I can't go on it. My butt hurts. I'm, and then I brought the cushion. He's like, oh, I can't go on it. I'm like, no, you can't do it. <laughs> so yes, you do that thing. I love it. I love ooh. it. It's inspiring, right? It's like, okay, that's work. If it it works for you, go do it. But love it, love it, love it. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much, Amanda, for taking your time out today. I really appreciate it. Oh, such a pleasure. Thank Thank you. You have just listened to the Stay at Home Mom Yeah Right podcast with my mom. I hope you enjoy listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you liked it, please give it five stars. Thank you.